Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we're continuing our study on end times, and we're coming now to the end of the tribulation period. Last week, we talked about Babylon and the fall of the great harlot and um, what the potential um, interpretations of who that is or what city that is. This week, we come to the end of the tribulation. We had a little bit of a preview in chapter 17, verse 14. These will wage war against the Lamb. Um, and if we go back even further to the seven bowls, if you remember back just a few weeks to the seven bowls of God's wrath, um, the bowls at the end verse 13 and i saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs for they are spirits of demons see we've all we've kind of been in a parenthetical phrase in the last few chapters now this is at the end of it. So the sixth bowl dries up the river Euphrates so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. This, and then out of the um, mouth of the beast and on the mouth of the false prophet and the mouth of the dragon, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. And that's where we're coming in the time frame. It talked about um, Babylon, but that's kind of a side note that happens during this time frame as well in the second half of the tribulation. Now at the end, they're being gathered together for war against God. Um. They gathered together, verse 16, they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Har-Mageddon. This is the very thing that a lot of people talk about Armageddon. This is it. And this is the time. Let's go to chapter 19 of Revelation. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne, saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Now, this is going on as 
Babylon has been destroyed and the kings are gathering for war against God. And all of the hosts of heaven are praising God and worshiping. It says, because salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and righteous. He has judged the great harlot. Uh, he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And she's burning. And so now they're starting to see the vengeance of God. Time for repentance is done. And the time for waiting is over. It's time now to act. Jumping down to verse 11, we'll deal with 7 through 10 uh, in another time. But in verse 11, and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war. So now we've got this white horse coming out of heaven toward the earth and he who sits on it is called faithful and true. Well, of course, that's a reference to Jesus Christ. And we're going to see his description in the next few that makes it absolutely crystal clear that's exactly who this is riding on this white horse. He is faithful. He is true. In righteousness, he judges and wages war. Now, remember when Jesus came in the, um, in the first coming, that we celebrate at Christmas, his incarnation at that time was to save the world and provide a way of salvation from our sins. However, in this time that we're talking about now in Revelation chapter 19, that's no longer the purpose. Now his purpose is to come to rule and to reign. He's going to judge the evil and the wicked, and he's going to make war on, the, on his enemies on the earth. Verse 13, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Another reference that proves that this is Jesus Christ. He, his robe is dipped in blood, which is significant of his death on the cross and so he is clothed with something that is because of his righteous sacrifice for the sins of the, of the world. Um, sorry, I, I skipped forward. Verse 12, his eyes are a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. His eyes are a flame of fire. They see everything. They burn up everything. There, there is nothing that gets out of his vision and he, what he sets his gaze on will burn. On his head are many diadems because he is the king of kings and lord of lords as we are seeing. He has a name written on him which no one knows except he himself. He's clothed with a robe, robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 
1. This is the same one. John 1, 14. The word became flesh. This is a reference to Jesus. As we talked about in our church recently, um, this is a reference to Jesus. And all of the word references, you, you really need to study that. Um, yeah, you need to study that. Maybe I'll put a link soon to um, that lesson because that that is amazing, an amazing study. The armies which are in heaven... Uh, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. So now you've got the white horse with Jesus riding from heaven and the horses behind him, which are also white and clean. They're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They're the armies of heaven following him on white horses. And you've got this huge army in heaven. You've got all of these armies gathering together to make war against God that are on the earth. And they've gathered together. God has um, dried up the Euphrates so they can get all these armies over to har Megiddon. And so we come to verse 15. Now, when you see these things in a theater, in movies, um, any other dramatic thing, you see this huge battle and smoke rising up and swords and spears clashing and horses falling and archers drawing their, their bows and such. Let me tell you, this is what's really going to happen. That None of that is actually accurate. Verse 15. From the, his mouth comes a sharp sword. Well, this is reminiscent of what we saw in Revelation chapter 1, where out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. Double-edged sword. What is the significance of it? It's coming out of his mouth. What does he do battle with? Does Jesus do battle with the armies of the earth on their terms? With metal and wood and fire and stones? The answer is no. This is the word who's speaking the word. Again, you see, you see, isn't that amazing? This earth was created by the word of God, his breath. And now he's fighting with that very word. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Folks, 
this is not going to be some flashy mega battle, as many people think. Let's keep on looking. Verse 17, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great." And so this angel is calling to the birds, not because that's important that the birds clean up the mess, but just to let them know, hey, there is going to be a feast down there for you because God is cleaning house. This massive army that is gathered in defiance against the Most High, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is going to be completely, utterly slain. 100%. And how many casualties are there going to be on the side of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who sits on the white horse with his robe dipped in blood with the sword coming out of his mouth. Well, that sharp sword is what he uses to strike down the nations. What armor armor do you have? What physical armor does the world have to guard against such a word from God? What Weapons do you have that will pierce the armor of God? What weapons do you have that will reach him in the heavens as he's coming on his white horse? By the time you push the button and fire a missile, it's done. He doesn't need time to travel. He just needs a word. And I saw the beast, verse 19, and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Not a good choice. So do we see a a big clash and a big battle, verse 20? And the beast was seized. And with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And their rest, now get this, and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. There's not a battle. To call this the greatest battle of all is a misnomer because this is definitely the biggest one-sided fight ever. This is completely one-sided. Christ gives the word, boom. They, they're... Um, the, the beast and the false prophet are captured. And at the same time, he gives a word and 
everyone is laid waste. All of the armies, all of the horses, all of the beasts, all of anything there destroyed. By one word. One word. No clashing of swords. No exploding of bombs. No rat-a-tat-tat from the machine guns. None of that. It's the word, the sword which comes from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. Boom. Done. It's very anticlimactic, really. You get to this climax and all of a sudden, boom. Done. It's, it's just over. Because he said the word. Very like when Jesus was on the cross. And with one Greek word, tetelestai, which is translated in English, it is finished. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Freedom Fridays. (laughs) 